Well, good morning. It's a privilege and a joy to be with you all this morning, uh, as Lane said. Um, it's been an incredible, uh, eventful transition for the Holmes family. Uh, but I just wanted to start by saying thank you to LifePoint. Uh, you all have been so warm and so welcome in this time. You've made a transition uh, filled with change. You've, you've, made it, you've made it pretty easy. And so uh, the Holmes family just wants to say thank you for loving us so well and welcoming us into, into LifePoint. It's an honor to, pre, uh, to preach this morning in Jeremiah 18. And so if you have your Bible, go ahead and open with me there. And as you do, I'd like to ask a question. It's a fairly basic question. It's an important question, but who is God? No, really, like who is he? So when you think of that question, what pictures come to mind? What truths come to mind? What doctrines uh, are on the forefront of your mind? As you think about who is God, A.W. Tozer has this beautiful quote that says something like this, the most important thing about you is what you think about when you think about God. And so he's pretty much saying, it's really important what you think about God. It's the most important thing about you. And there's no greater place to look about how we view God than our prayer life. And so think with me about your recent prayers And so for some of you, maybe you view God as a genie, that you go to him with this special formula. If you rub the lamp just in a certain way, you'll get what you wish. Or maybe you view God as a vending machine where you go with your preferences and you pick and choose based on how he's gonna answer your requests. Or maybe you view him as a third cousin, only seeing him on special occasions, going him maybe to funerals or to weddings or especially Christmas, but you only see him on rare occasions. So how do you view God uh, in your prayers? And so the question asked this morning is, what does my prayer life say about my view of God? What does my prayer life say about my view of God? That's an important question, and many of us would not admit openly what maybe our prayers reveal reveal to us about our view of God, but they're important to get an honest view of how we view God. Now we all have different and maybe sometimes false ideas of who God is, especially in our prayers. But I I hope that the central aspect that what we're all unified on is that we need to view God by how he has revealed himself to us through his word. And so God has revealed himself from the very beginning of time. He reveals himself in creation. Moses was revealed God by speaking him face to face. To Jacob, he spoke by a dream. To Israel, by the prophets. To Elijah, by a small, still voice. And this morning, we're gonna look at how God revealed himself to Jeremiah in a unique way. That through this unique illustration, he gave a particular message for even us to hear this morning. And so I invite you to look at your text, Jeremiah 18. And we're gonna read verses one through six this morning. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Arise and go down to the potter's house and there I will let you hear my words. So I went down to the potter's house and there he was working at his wheel. And the vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hands. And he reworked it into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to do. Then the word of the Lord came to me. O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter has done? Declares the Lord. Behold, like the clay 
in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. Would you pray with me this morning as we look at God's word and apply it to our lives? Our Father, this is your word, and we humbly submit our lives to it. May our affections and our focus turn to your Son, Jesus Christ, as we continue to worship this morning. May your Holy Spirit bring to mind any false ideas we have of who you are, and may he uproot any sin in our lives. Teach us and grant us the faith to obey. Amen. Here's what an outline of this verse looks like. So verses one through four, we see that God's sovereignty is taught through a particular picture of a potter. But then it's applied in verses five through 12 through the people of Israel. And this outline is gonna teach us about God's sovereignty. And we're gonna focus on verses one through six this morning. We're gonna hit verse 12 at the end. But if you miss what Jeremiah is saying in these verses, he's, a, he's saying essentially this. You as my people are the clay, and I as your God am the potter. So God is teaching Jeremiah this critical picture of how he is to view God. He has the same amount of authority and control as a potter has over his clay. See, God is asking his people, am I less than a potter to his clay as I am with you? The rest of our time together we're gonna be looking at this critical sentence. God forms his people just as the potter forms his clay according to his will and his way. I'll say that again. God forms his people just as the potter forms his clay according to his will and his way. And we're gonna see this as we continue looking at Jeremiah 18. But I've mentioned this key word a few times and it might scare some of you. The word is sovereign or God's sovereignty. And that might be a $10 word for some of you or a theological word that you're like, ah, oh, just the fancy pastor saying that. But it's a word for all of us. It's a key truth of how we view God. And so a simple definition of God's sovereignty, it's not a perfect one by any means, but is that God's will will be done. So when you think that God is sovereign, the first thing that comes to mind in this message needs to be God's will will be done. Now, if you go on and study God's sovereignty, you're gonna find an immense amount of beautiful writing on theology and our understanding of who God is, but we must view God as sovereign in that his will will be done. And we see this a few times in scripture. Revelation 4.11 says, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. And then Ephesians 1.11, In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Not just some things, but he works all things according to the counsel of his will. God is sovereign, and that means that God's will will be done. And now we're gonna see this in Jeremiah 18, so go back to the text, and let's read the first four verses again together. So Jeremiah hears the word that came to him from the Lord, and it says, arise. And go down to the potter's house, and there I will let you hear my words. So I went down to the potter's house, and there he was working at his wheel. 
And the vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hand. And he reworked it into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to do. And so Jeremiah was led to go down to the town's potters, maybe his office or his house. And he hears the word of the Lord. And he says, if you go down and to the potter's house, I will tell you the word that I have for you to tell the people of Israel. And so he goes to the potter's house. And as Jeremiah is waiting to hear from the Lord again, he watches the potter working his clay at his wheel. So he's spinning this wheel and he's working this clay and he notices something. He notices that as the potter is turning his wheel and is trying to work this clay into a particular foam, he, form, he notices the clay was spoiled in the potter's hands. So he's waiting to hear from the Lord. He's seeing the potter work and he notices the clay was spoiled in the potter's hands. Now, I don't know what you feel when you read that, but my next gut reaction is, oh man, the potter's just gonna throw that clay away, right? Clay is not special, right? I don't know much about clay, but this clay is spoiled, right? Now, this is not just like a spoiled child, right? This is the Hebrew word here is the same Hebrew word for mutilated. It is destroyed, it is ruined, right? Essentially, it's worthless, and so I'm expecting the potter just to throw this clay at, out because it's worthless. It's not useful, right? And we don't go to the store and buy clay, go to our houses and put it on display and say, look at how beautiful this clay is. That's not the purpose of clay. The purpose of clay is that it's useful to be formed into something else. But this clay has gone bad. Maybe rocks got in it so it's no longer pure, but whatever the case, it is not useful. But... The beauty of the gospel is that the potter chose to not throw the clay away. That the the clay is spoiled, but he continues to rework it. See, from Adam, we are all sinners. And if we think as God is the potter and us as the clay, we are the sinners. We are ruined. We are spoiled. And God has the right and the power. He is sovereign. So he has the authority to throw us away. We are not worthy of him. But he chooses to show his grace and mercy to you and to me to reform us, to reshape us through the life, death, and resurrection of our Savior, Jesus Christ. See, he takes the spoiled weak clay so that we can show his strength in our weakness. Paul says this, he hears it from the Lord in 2 Corinthians 12. My grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Do you hear that from the Lord this morning? God is saying, my grace is sufficient for you. For God's power is made perfect in weakness. See, I struggle with this belief. It is a sinful belief that I am what I do or what's been done to me. That the sum of all the actions that I do and that have been done against me, that that is who I am. That's my identity. But church, that is a lie. That is not who I am. I am in Christ. So that when I'm faced with weaknesses, I don't feel shame in that weakness. I see Christ's strength in that weakness. I look to Jesus, not to my weakness. I look to Jesus, not to my sin. I look to Jesus. You are not your sins. You're not defined by your abuse. You're not defined by you being mistreated. You are not defined by your weaknesses. You are defined by Christ. And then we go to this next phrase. So, the, so Jeremiah notices the clay is spoiled. 
But there's this incredible amount of emphasis on this next phrase. He reworked it into another vessel. He reworked it into another vessel. Now, I went to, uh, I've been to Nicaragua quite a few times at uh, the church I worked at before LifePoint. I was leading a trip of students, and uh, this day we were going to take all of these kids that were part of an after-school program to a potter's house. So as we're going there, me and Chase, the friend that I led the trip with, are talking, and I'm thinking, man, this is this is a pretty cool illustration if it all works out for Jeremiah 18. And uh, it fulfilled everything I hoped because when we got there, it was just a beautiful picture of a potter's house. He has clay everywhere and he's working at his wheel. Now the kids get up and they try to, try to work this clay and then you realize how talented he is and how easy he makes it uh, look. And so these kids, are, they have these pots that are falling over and you know it's just not working out for them. And then he begins to show us how he forms a clay vessel. And so he is forming this beautiful pot and he's using his fingernail to draw these designs in it. And he steps back and he looks at the, at the pot and he thinks for a second. And I'm all like, yeah, it's done. It's beautiful. And he smashes it. And I'm like, what in the world did you, I would take it. Like, just give it to me. Let's throw it in the fire. Oh, it's a great souvenir. But he smashes the pot. And so I'm like, oh, I gotta talk to him. Like, why in the world would you smash that pot? It was beautiful. And so we, I take a translator and we go and we talk to him and I say, okay, I gotta know. You had that beautiful pot in there and you spent lots of time with your fingernail. With, you were pushing your finger into that pot. You were, you were putting your fingerprint, your unique characteristics on that pot and you smashed it. Why did you smash it? And he said, well, it was leaning to the right just a little bit. So I knew even if we went through the whole process, it was always gonna lean to the right. It was gonna be useless. I had to start over. I had to rework it into something else. And I went, whoo, that, you know, that will preach, right? But that was such a beautiful picture for me. See, the, the, that this, this clay that is being formed by the potter and it has to be reworked into something else. And this is the truth that God is not overwhelmed by your weakness. God is not overwhelmed by your weakness. God reworks us into something beautiful. You are not too distant from God. Sin is not too rooted in your life. God does not say, hey, take care of everything and then come to me. Get yourself right. God is in the business of making sinners righteous. Go to him. There, sin has no root that he cannot uproot. God reworks us, not because of what you do or what has been done to you, but because the potter delights in forming his clay. The potter delights in forming his clay. Not only does the potter form his clay, he forms it according to his will and his way. See, here that as it seemed good to the potter to do. See, it's not like the potter calls his, uh, his advisors in and say, what do you think I should do? How do you think I should do this? Is this? Does this look okay? No, the potter's in control. He has the plan. He has the vision, right? He is going to form it with his fingers. He's gonna form it in his hand. Now, I have to confess, I was a, I was a pretty nerdy kid. Like, if I wanna put this on a scale, my favorite show was Dexter's Laboratory, and this is me about eight years old, and I was obsessed with science. I like to invent stuff. I like to, I like to have my little laboratory underneath my parents' stairs, and so I may have scared a few of you off, but that's okay. Uh, so w my mom would take me to Hobby Lobby, 
And uh, one time I got these bars of clay and they came in this four pack and it was red, white, green, and blue. And I was like, this is great. I can form a lot of stuff. And then in our basement, we just happened to have this big piece of cardboard. And so this first time, I did this multiple times, but the first time I was, I was building these things and I separated the colors of clay and I made the red, I made them Russia and I was going to form um, a Russia militia, right? And then I had green as America and, the, and we're forming and we're doing all this stuff and the blue was the Air Force and the white were the aliens because that was the thing. And so I built like, I mean, I spent hours and hours and hours of my time. I had this huge vision of what this battle was gonna look like, how I was gonna lay all these pieces out and it just sat there. And my mom would come to me and say, Jonathan, you, you gotta clean this up. Like, it's just sitting there. They're all dry now. Like, you just gotta clean it up. And I was like, no, the time has not come yet. She's like, wow, what is happening, right? Like, it's a weird kid. And so one day I wake up and I'm like, today is the day. You know, I just spring up like, this is it. And I go down there. I open up the door and I just smash it all. I mean, it is the best battle an eight-year-old could imagine. I am, at the end of it, it is just this multicolored ball of craziness. I just throw away, it looks brown, and I have just smashed everything. No one's a winner except for me, right? But here's, here's what never happened. I never went down there and opened up the door and looked down at the clay and went, are you ready? And then the clay turns to me and say, hey, not yet. You know, I was thinking we could do something else here. Like us, the green, we've kind of gathered around and we don't think this is the best plan for us. You know, if that would have happened, I would have ran, right? I'm not that crazy. But listen, the clay never talked back to me. That's ridiculous to even think it would or it could. But friends, look at what's happening here. The potter is forming the clay. The clay does not talk back the potter and say, oh, no, 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 no. Your plan is not good for me. Listen what it says in the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah 29, 16. You turn things upside down. How? Shall the potter be regarded as the clay that the thing made should say of its maker? He did not make me. Or the thing formed say of him who formed it? He has no understanding. And then the prophet Isaiah even says again in 45.9, a section of that verse says, does, this, does the clay say to him who forms it, what are you making? No, the clay does not have the plan. The potter has the plan. When we turn to God and wish that we could usurp our will over his, we are trying to be what only he can be. We cannot be God. We cannot be the potter. We are the clay. Church, it is not just that God forms his people just as the potter forms the clay. We must also recognize God's sovereignty in that he does it according to his will, his good and precious will, and his way that is perfect and good for us. At the end of our passage, we see that God relates to Jeremiah what he brought him to the potter's house to hear. Then the word of the Lord came to me in verse five. Verse six says, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter has done, declares the Lord? Behold, like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. 
See, Jeremiah has been given this message, this vivid picture, this illustration, this image, this smell of the potter's house, the, the picture of how the potter's working with the clay so that he can relay it to the house of Israel, so that he can share with the house of Israel that they are in the potter's hands. If they repent and turn from their sin, that they can still be formed and re, reformed into something new, reworked into something new. But that's not how God sees Israel responding. So God predicts and knows the hearts of man and he says this is how Israel will respond in verse 12. But they say, that is in vain. We will follow our own plans and will everyone act according to the stubbornness of his evil heart. See, God invites us into this reshaping, this reworking process that only he can do And my prayer is that we would not respond as the Israelites do, that we would respond in humility, in a recognition that he is the potter and that we are the clay, not of evil hearts, but of humble hearts going before the Lord and asking him to rework us into something new according to his plan and his way. So how will you respond this morning to the invitation to submit your life to the hands of of our sovereign God. I have a couple questions that you can think through today. And I just wanna ask, if you're not a Christian, the first question you have to ask is, will you submit your life so that the potter can rework you into Christ's life? That will you submit your life, humble yourself before the Lord and he will exalt you, he will rework you into something new. Only he has the source of life. And so here are two questions to ask for the Christian Where are you not trusting God's plan for your life? So in your life, we all have plans and thoughts and desires, but where are you saying, Lord, I know that you might have me do this, but I can't, I won't. I won't go there, I won't do that. That's too much for me. It's not who I am. So where are you not trusting in God's plan for your life? Much of life is a battle of wills with our unrelenting attempts to trust in ourselves over the potter's hands. To trust in what we think and what we desire in our own wisdom, but not in his. See, our Savior Jesus Christ shows us the beauty of submitting our lives fully to the will of the Father. On the edge of his crucifixion, he says this in Matthew 26, 39, He goes away from the disciples to say a simple prayer and going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed saying, my father, if it be possible to let this cup pass from me, nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. See, the plan might be hard and it's not a sin to go before the Lord and say, is this really what you have for me, God? It's called lament. You you lay it before God and say, surely this can't be. I ask you to relent. But lament righteously always ends, not as I will, but as you will. Not my will, God, but yours be done, as Jesus says. So the second question to ask, what areas of your life are you struggling to say, not as I will, but as you will? So first we look at God's plan for our life and where are we not allowing us to submit our lives to him? that we're giving over our plan. And even in this season, that there are a lot of opportunities to follow his plan for our life, even though we may not understand it, but we can submit to it. Then second, 
What areas of your life are you struggling to say, not as I will or desire, but as you will, Lord? That in this season, this is the perfect opportunity to submit our lives fully to the potter's hands. There's this false belief and it's existed since the beginning of the church that God created mankind and he said, hope it all works out and his hands are off, right? That we view God in his lounger and his arms are crossed and say, I hope it works out. Friends, it's not the picture we see in scripture. Church, the potter's hands are here. He's reworking you. He's reshaping you. He's not scared of your weakness. He asks you to repent of your sin and humbly, humbly submit your life fully to him. So as you ask these questions, I pray that you would submit yourself to this reworking process. It's hard, it's not easy. It's reforming, reshaping. It's not safe, but it's always good because of the goodness of God. It's always good because of the goodness of God. Will you respond this morning by submitting your life to the Lord? Would you pray with me? Father, we humbly come before you recognizing that there are areas of our life where we don't fully trust in you. We reserve them as that we might have the first and even the final say, but Lord, we submit our lives to you and we ask you to speak into them. We ask you to not just speak into or, or nudge, but to fully reshape, reform who we are to look more like the image of your son, Jesus Christ. We understand that your plan may not be fully understood ever. This side of eternity, your plan may not be what we have for our lives, but your plan is good for your purposes are for our righteousness and for your glory. So God, we humbly confess our sin before you and ask us, ask you to shape us as we look to you now. God, we pray all this in the beautiful name of Jesus Christ. Amen.